hey, it's possible for there to be seven I don't think perfect- Taco Bell's hurting. It's a, it's possible for there to be seven perfect games in this World Series. So we're just gonna say if there's a if the if there's a hit that's recorded, go get your free taco. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the three O Take, where we talk all things Major League Baseball. Here's Kyle Corwin and Nate Reyes. It all starts right now. Welcome back to the Three O Take. This is episode two forty six. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Hey, hey, hey! What's up? What's up? I want to ask your opinion about something. Later. We're we're in our we're in our late twenties at this point. That's I'd like correct. to think we are considered full full blown adults. Uh, don't don't always feel like it, but yes. As full blown adults, how do you feel about the unsolicited phone call from people that aren't necessarily in your in your circle? For me, personally, people that can call unannounced, blood relatives, significant other. That's it. No one else is allowed to call me without a text first, without an emergency as an excuse. But what I do know is that I have a friend that calls me two or three times a day. That's no not text. real. That's not a real. Oh, it's real. Two or three times real. a day. A I'm day. not kidding. Two or three times a day is either a phone call or a FaceTime attempt. Do a I day. Know, do I know this friend? You do not. Okay. And he's not going to listen to this, so that's the okay. only reason I'm saying this. But two or three times a day. Well, at least it's a he. At least Paige doesn't have to be on guard here. It drives me crazy. I don't talk to anyone that much. Paige doesn't call me two or three times a day. I would say for me, probably about a week, like I'm with you on the text thing. Like send me a text first if you're outside of this. You'll be like, hey, yeah, you free? Circle. Yeah. Uh, and I would say probably a week because I'm guilty of that. I'll text somebody if it's like a holiday or like a birthday or whatever. Hey, let's catch up, blah, blah, blah. For From sure. that point, it's like a week window. You can call me anytime in that window unannounced, even after that text. But beyond that week, you're going to have to re-up and say, hey. Just gotta shoot you a text again. I I, I need. To, I need people need to to, talk. to really think what is call worthy and what can be covered in a text. The problem is, is that whenever he calls, I'm like, dude, it could have taken you 30 seconds to write that text out. I don't have time to talk to anyone that long, that many times in a day. Anyone? Well, I, I not probably, a soul. I probably feel a little different about it, given that you spend your work hours on the phone constantly so that's that's true that's That's another thing and he does the same thing he does the same thing he does phone sales as well so he's fully aware that like when we're doing it all day i don't want to do it any more than i have to well that's just senseless i know i just wanted to make sure i wasn't crazy no no i have a legitimate yeah all right case here you have yeah you have a legitimate gripe i mean two to three times a day that's it's absurd that's borderline hey I need to get like a restraining order of sorts because that's, I mean. So for example, spam today, calls don't hit you that many times a day. Exactly. For for example, today called right before we hopped on to record. Didn't answer. So it's like, hey, dude, like about to start recording. What's up? He's like in the middle of the day. Yeah, dude. Lunch break. Like just trying to knock it out. No game today. You know, just trying to get it done. Don't have to wait that late. Kyle's got plans later. Blah, blah, blah. Right. He goes, oh, I feel that. And then he asked to confirm about time and day for a Friendsgiving in a couple weeks. In a couple weeks? All right. Well, I'm going to need to know. You You are legally obligated at this point to answer the answer the phone if he calls during this recording. No. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. Legally obligated. I'm not going to. And I'm not editing out the call. All right. We need to talk baseball. I know I know. you really want to keep going on and on about this. I, just, this I just really feel seems to, I feel yeah, clearly, clearly. Well, we're going to talk about something at the end of the episode that... 2021, like, what are we doing? That'll get you real, real heated. Uh, but before we get to that point, let's talk uh, first two games of the World Series. Game one, Braves come out and do what they need to do, win by a score of 6-2. to two. Jorge, Jorge Soler, how about it? Uh, first time ever, a World Series starting off with All a right, home run in the so first at-bat. explain to me this, and I may, I, I may already know this, but I'm just missing some fine print here. says he's the first player to hit a, quote, true leadoff home run in the World Series. 
are we talking about like a, are they trying to clarify for those who might think, oh, what about the guy who led off the third inning with the home run? Is that what they're talking about here? Maybe there was an inside the park home run. Maybe it was. Ah, good thought. Okay. Maybe. Somebody needs to research the that home for team, us. but not the away team. Also good thought. We're going to need somebody but to get I on that swore, for us. I swore Jeter started out with a home run against the Mets in 2000. Well, I, I doubt that would happen. Otherwise, they wouldn't be making such a big deal out of it. I mean, that's recent enough to remember, and he looks it up anyway. Yeah, we got to look it up just to confirm. Yeah, just make sure make sure you do the oh, research. Oh, but I think he was hitting second. I don't think he was hitting leadoff. Yeah, I was going to say, make, was. Sh- make sure you do the research that the people at Fox and ESPN and baseball Yeah, those people, they don't know what they're talking didn't about. Didn't do. Uh, says, uh, the one in 2000 was game four. <sighs> oh, well. Oh, that's another aspect of this whole thing. Game one, leading off game one. Game, they're saying like lead one. off yeah. the World Series. Not a World Series game, but lead off the World Series with home run. Makes sense. All sorts makes of things. Makes sense. Okay, it makes more sense Props now that Jorge talk- Soler. Now that and I talked it out. Just just DHing at the top of the lineup like that? Yeah, That's I was pretty cool. I was watching the postgame coverage and they were uh they were talking about how there was a lot of questions surrounding who was gonna lead off for the Braves. And oh, it was MLB Network. That's what it was. And they, they were going up and down the list of hosts and getting their pick on who they think should lead off and mm-hmm. I think some of the some of the guys were saying, "Oh, it should be." Uh, I personally probably would have gone Eddie Rosario. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was blanking. They, yeah, they went uh, Eddie Rosario, and then they got to like Michael Lowell, I, who I think was the only former player in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think he said, "No, like keep Rosario lower in the lineup, induce a little bit of trickiness, some mm-hmm. some strategical game there." Mm-hmm. Later in the contest, and go with uh, Solaire, and then it did like the the check ding, because <laughs> then they showed the the highlight of the the solo or the leadoff home run. But well, I like Solaire there just because the fact that you know he's missed some time, and I think it just like it, there's something about the leadoff spot that doesn't allow you to really think too much. You just you go up there and do, you know, you just you do. Then I think that's like the only way for him to kind of shake the cobwebs is just go lead off. Hop right back in. Well, a lot of the times, and this is kind of what we were taught, like playing the game is assuming you're not an ultra selfish leadoff hitter. The thing you're taught to do is kind of go up there and help your squad out. It's true. See a pitch or two. If if you're true. a guy that likes to wait, like Jose Altuve, guys like that, they swing, they swing first pitch yeah. all day every day. But or other leadoff guys like a Jose Altuve. Um, but you got to go up there, see a couple pitches. And so if you're thinking about doing that, if you're focused on helping your team out with that approach, you're also not thinking about anything that you're necessarily trying to do beyond the things you actually need to be thinking about at the plate. Like you're not yeah. getting in your own head. You're thinking about, all right, where do I got to place this ball? What pitch am I looking for? So on and so forth. Well, as Dero says, a little bit of ambush tactics. I love saying that. So I think that's what Jorge successfully pulled off. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And then later in the inning, Ozzy Albies. Hey, look at us. Look at us, huh? <laughs> look at us. I mean, I, I defaulted to Ozzy Albies because we were low on time, if you recall, last episode. I realized we still had yeah. DMs to get through. I, I had a feeling you were going to think a little bit deeper and try to get a little bit outside the box. but That's one of those picks, you know, where trying to get too too cute, too creative yeah, it's, it's just, just always it always smart. backfires. It always yeah. backfires. So you're like you choose Dansby Swanson and he doesn't have a single stolen base in the whole <laughs> right. World Series. It's like dumb choice. And then you look, like whoever the guy that you end up picking, you look at his season stats and he has like two on the whole season. Yeah. Like, well, that that wasn't a wise pick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ozzy Albies gets the taco. And for the record, I had people hit me up in the DMs backing me on this, sending me screenshots of Taco Bell's website. It's yeah. just the one. We're getting that's one so taco dumb. and that's it. No, what's dumb, and also to your point from last episode. I'm still seeing advertising for it. It's exactly. Like, they continue the promotion of the thing, which I think is kind of weird. It's like yeah. you're promoting something that's already happened. I mean, I right. get it. They they have paid slots for these advertisements. Yeah, they and- paid for the whole World Series. So I figured, hey, why not? Like, I, uh, I love Taco Bell. Paige and I go to Taco Bell all the time. 
It's the guilty pleasure. I didn't go get a free taco. So how many people are actually going to go versus yeah, I, the celebratory I'm, I'm promo? Pretty sure you, I'm pretty sure you get the taco in like November. I think it's once the World Series is over. Also doesn't make sense. I think we have spent more time talking, to, trying to get to the it's bottom of this taco stupid. bell. It's stupid. Here's the way it should be done. I'm confirming here. Stand by. If a stolen base happens in a World Series game, then a free taco should be awarded. It doesn't say, I don't think it should be every stolen base, but I don't think it should only be one stolen base. You know there's going to be a stolen base. The That's fact that the we point. had it. Yes, I get it. That's the point. What's the point of advertising something for a week and a half that is going to be done in the first game? Do you realize how lame of a promotion it'd be if they advertise this? Advertise it for, for a feat that doesn't happen. You have to go with something that's guaranteed. That's why you have to. And they're not going to go like, they're not going to be like, hey, first, uh, if, if they record a hit in this World Series, you get a free taco. No. All but you have on. to do is say, any game that has a stolen base earns you a free taco. That's all you got to do. That's it. Hey, it's possible for there to be seven I don't think perfect- Taco Bell's hurting. It's a, it's possible for there to be seven perfect games in this World Series, so we're just gonna say if there's a if the if there's a hit that's recorded, go get your free taco. Also, I tried to confirm the date, and I came across this article, it's like the top suggested one. It says, "Don't settle for a free Taco Bell taco. Try these Houston. Fa- it's a Houston website. Try these Houston favorites and said, I'm not looking to treat myself to a, a fine dining experience here i just want a free taco for a stolen base why am i getting so upset about a free taco uh it's it's got me heated as well all right well and yes i now, think it i now think the I'm advertising no- team needs to just just clean it up a little it, it's taco bell what do you expect now on november 4th anyone in america can claim one free nacho cheese doritos locos to bro cool, calm down talk, on the name first of all cleaning it up Nacho Cheese Doritos Locos Taco at any participating Taco Bell in-store, online, or in the app. You know, I always say on here, no free ads, but I feel like Taco Bell is the one place that gets a a pass just because they're so ingrained and they're so a part of the postseason now. So it's like, it's fine. How many Uh, many times a year would you say you've had Taco Bell? Probably, I average probably like half a taco. I don't even think... In a year? Yeah, I don't even think I go once a year do you average. have a do you have a guilty pleasure fast food restaurant uh bojangles like, okay uh cookout where cookout. it's like a it's like a thursday night wife and i don't feel like cooking kind oh, of that, that's like chick-fil-a like if we're not okay, trying to, okay. if we're not trying to like kill ourselves it's like yeah. it's it's probably chick-fil-a okay but it's if it's 12 if it's midnight mm-hmm. and everything is closed this is obviously when we're living down in North Carolina when these places were nearby. We'd hit up Bojangles. We'd go to cookout. Yeah. Those are guilty pleasures. Anyway, back to baseball. Later, it's couple, not a baseball podcast. You're right. This is a, a croquet podcast. A croquet and foodie podcast. A little mashup. Uh, a couple innings later, Charlie Morton. No, actually, the next inning is bottom of the second. Charlie Morton fractures his fibula. And for those uh, that were in the comments recently... Shortly after I, I posted that update, a fracture and a break are the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why we're having this conversation, but a fracture. Some, oh, you know what? I need to just bring it up. Somebody said, where was it? Who hit that ball, by the way? It was like, uh, Yuli Gurriel. Thought so. Like 102 off the bat and then off the shin. Bro still managed to run over to first. Oh, he deleted it. See, that's when you know. Oh, soft. He said something about like if it was broken, his leg would be dangling or something. I'm like, that's not that's not how any of this works. <laughs> oh yeah. But anyway, the any comment warriors. Yeah, tough. Uh, just a tough break for the for the Braves losing out on their game one starter. I know he was my outstanding pitcher choice. Yeah, as well. I thought about that too. Um, tough, tough. And They're he was, redo. He was dealing too. Yeah, you know what? It's it's a great. Great time to pause. I'll, I'll allow a redo, even though we're two games in. It's still technically it's it's tied one one, so we're really entering a best of five here. So I'll allow a redo. Can uh, I can't remember? Is our outstanding pitcher have to be with our, our winning team that we chose? So the Braves. I mean, if they awarded that award in real life, like if they actually did it would, that, it would obviously go to the winning. Yeah. Okay. 
I, I mean, I guess I'm going to go Matzik then. Is that okay? Can I go Tyler Matzik? That's fair. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this post, but he signed a ball for somebody. Nutsack. Tyler yeah, Nutsack. Signature number and under quotes underneath it said Nutsack. So that's what his, his homies call him because he gets out of every jam. He's got, it's, he's got the Nutsack to do it. I love I it. Like, I like it. All right, that's my choice. I'm going to... All right, that's fair. That's solid. Okay, cool. Uh, Charlie Morton, as we said, tough break for the Braves. He was dealing... uh, He gets hit in the bottom... So here's the thing. He gets hit in the bottom of the second, as as we all know by this point, but just recapping. Gets hit in the bottom of the second, finishes the inning, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and comes back and pitches into the third. So apparently what happened, which I didn't realize this until today, apparently they took x-rays of his leg right after he was hit. Those x-rays came back clean. Which is why he was allowed to go out to the for the third. Odd. And then apparently a second set of X-rays came back and said he had a fracture. Weird. Very weird. What's that? What's that job called? You're a radiologist, right? An X X-rayologist. No, it's, radiologist. it's radiologist, I believe. Yeah. Well, that first one's fired. You're gone. I mean, I can't imagine there being a full hospital staff down there. It's Doesn't probably matter. only that like first one's one not guys. being involved. Second opinion from a new guy. Well, here's the thing. I, in defense of this presumed fired radiologist, he he did go back out for the third. So, I mean, if it was truly... I'm not taking anything away from the injury itself, but I'm saying if he wasn't even able to walk or anything, he wouldn't... I mean, yes, this, this dude is tough as nails, obviously, but if it was truly that bad to where they were legitimately considering firing this guy, the guy probably has to look at Morton and be like, well, I mean, he did go back out for the third, so he must have been feeling okay, like... Is the is the X-ray machine just on deck in the clubhouse? I didn't know it they had that. No, it I didn't has know to they be. had that. It's odd. This isn't the first time they've needed X. Uh, yeah, but I always thought it's like what? Is, what is that? An X-ray machine? Is that what that's got? That's not. That's not right. Well, that sounds official though. I like that, it. All right, here's the real question that needs to be needs to be touched on here. More or less impressive than Kurt Schilling's bloody sock? I don't want I don't want Braves fans to come at me, and I. I am fully on board and a fan of what Charlie Morton did. Considering he struck, was he strike out two or was it just Altuve? I thought I he was had... just Altuve because it was the uh, Maldonado smoked line drive to Freddie Freeman, and then it was an Altuve strikeout. I believe, right. I think there was a pop up mixed in there too. He got two and a third, so I didn't know if he started off the third strikeout. Anyway, given the circumstances of of that particular series back in 2004 and just the stake. I don't want to say stakes because we, Oh, this is the world series. Like what the Red Sox did that October, that those are the stakes I'm talking about, especially coming off the 2003, the year before we all know how that ended and all the buildup and the fact that he was doing it in Yankee stadium. People were saying that it was ketchup packets when it clearly wasn't. I think it was, there was some renowned doctor. It wasn't James. James Andrews only does arms, right? It was somebody I have else. No idea. I think it, it was him or somebody else. But they said that he pretty much wasn't supposed to be walking, and he went out there and pitched. So I'm gonna have to go shilling on that. So call me bias, call me Homer, whatever. But am I? I mean, I, is it like a? I don't even know the full story. Were there just stitches that came loose? Yeah, they just weren't holding very well at all. Okay. And that's why the if you watch the the progression, the the blood stain yeah. just gets wider and wider. I think if as tough as he was and as cool as it was to see him do, I think if he would have gone a little longer, then I think it could have gone down in the baseball injury galore like Kurt Schilling did. You know, I think if 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 it was a little bit longer of a performance where he went like another three innings or four innings on it. I think it would have gone down as uh, uh, just as equally popular, but I, I think I'd, I'd probably agree. Uh, although it is, I mean, it's just, it's two different things. It's two different things. Yeah. I'm, I'm by no means want to, want to get that, want to get ahead of that right now. I'm no means a medical doctor. Yeah. Just going off the old eye test. Uh, but yeah, like I said, pitch into the third, finish with uh two and a third, zero runs, three K. So he, he was definitely dealing. Would have loved to have seen him, Gone a little deeper, like you said. Um, but as a corresponding move, they added lefty Tucker Davidson on Wednesday, which would be yesterday. Um, AJ Minter 
comes in in relief and just does work. Two and two-thirds. Career-high 43 pitches. Big-time performance. 43 pitches. Yeah. But I, I think the way to look at it is, and I think what was genius about that move, is the fact that majority of the time you bring in a reliever, he's, he's probably not going to go back-to-back days anyway. So you you look at this and you're like, all right, I can get 40 to 50 pitches out of him off tomorrow and then a travel day. So he is going to get two days off, which I see that the same amount of work. You know, you throw 43 pitches in one day or you do 20 pitches in two days each. Yep. Yep. It's the same thing. You're going to have a day off after that. So might as well use them now, get what we need, and set the tone for this World Series. And I think AJ has got to be like the underlying MVP of that game. No, no doubt. And I, I agree with you in terms of the time off and the regularity there when it's all said and done. I just think it's eye-catching anytime you see career high for a guy like that. especially In this moment, at, yeah. Yeah, at this point in the season. Um Let's see here. They also got some innings from Luke Jackson, Tyler Matzik, and another one from Will Smith. I think overall, I think the Braves' bullpen management has probably been the best out of any of the teams we've seen this postseason. They don't seem very overworked, and I feel like everybody is doing their job. Well, that's the thing is they have, like, in, in one breath you say they haven't been overworked, but then you look at the numbers and they have they've managed a lot of their innings. It's like close to, if not more than half of their innings this postseason. Right. But it's at the same time, like they're not leaning on one guy. I mean, this, this is the first instance of them leaning on one reliever to go get that many pitches and that many outs. And I think it's just, it's timed perfectly. I think Snicker has to get a lot of credit for what he's been doing with the bullpen of a combination of needing them, using them when needed, and still not overusing them. Yeah, I mean, they did what they had to do in game one. And, I mean, you don't go into game two expecting to lose or just kind of throwing in the towel. But but you feel a lot better. You take your lump. Well, I'm, I'm speaking more so after the fact. You take your lumps in game two and you look back and say, well, we were able to get some innings out of, out of Smiley. We were able to minimize the blow if you will mm-hmm. in game two we we're got, we got hit with the loss but we didn't we didn't we didn't sit. spend all of our spend right. all of our arms doing it exactly yeah because that would have been a really tough spot to be in and that's that why a closer game that's why i'm crediting the braves more than other teams and i i feel like other teams have been so quick to burn through a bullpen in a game that they may understand isn't winnable and it's the battle versus the war conversation. And I think Snicker just kind of recognized that and said, well, if if we're going to win this game, it's going to have to come down to a pretty extensive offensive output, right? That's what it's going to have to come down to for our team. And if we are in the conversation in the late innings and it's a one or two run ball game, then yes, we'll have to go to a, a, a more big name key guy. But I think it was he was just recognizing the you know, what this game flow is looking like and understanding, again, battle versus war. And that's what I haven't seen other teams do this postseason. Um, but it is a different conversation when you're in a, a seven-game series versus five. You don't really have much time in a five-game set. Right. And looking looking a little more closely here at game two, I think I got a little ahead of myself here. But to your point, you're looking at game two going – well, this this clearly isn't going to be one on the mound here. We're going to have to put up some runs. And mm-hmm. specifically in the second inning, I think Snicker probably looked at the situation and, and was like, "You, if you've been around the game long enough, which he has, you can if you're watching a game progress, you can usually tell if a game is going to go your way or not. Yeah, yeah. And even if it's uncertain – you at least will know if you'll have a chance later in the game to kind of pull yourself back into it. Sure, there's outliers here and there. Yeah. But sometimes just not a, too many things don't go your way to where you're like, yeah. all right, well, we're going to need to manage accordingly. And I think that's what he did, as we kind of yeah. alluded to, because that second inning was brutal for the Braves. Astros put up, I think it was like five singles in, in a six batter span. Mm-hmm. Not ideal. Uh, Jose Siri, by the way, who that was one sloppy play. <laughs> Jose Siri made his debut, his major league debut in September. 
and that gave him the title of first player to do so and have an RBI in the World Series during the same year. Just a little nugget there for Jose Siri. But, I mean, I think what's impressive is that what he did to get that RBI was that it was one of the fastest home-to-first times we've had all postseason. Was it really? Okay. Yeah, I, it was, it I was, didn't it was see the that. second fastest. Wow, okay. Behind Trey Turner. I didn't see the note on that, but watching the replay a number of times over the last however many hours, I I would you believe it, right? He's long, that. he's lanky. But yeah, I think that's what's what's cool about it is that little, you know, dinker in front of Ozzy Albies that he beat out. And then, you know, the following batter, I believe, was a single to left, and then it was just a kind of a circus show after that. Yeah, it was a uh Martin a Maldonado. A yeah, a little wild. Uh, Martin Maldonado single through the through the left side. Jose Siri, who was on first, as you mentioned, advances to third. Can we? I was going to ask you. Can we break this play down? Yeah. Um. So I mean, for those most of you are going to be familiar with this, but man on second. Uh, anything to the left fielder, your third baseman is going to be the cutoff guy. Um. Here's here's the reality, and here's what happened wrong with this play. And it's actually on Dansby Swanson, because if it's a 5-5 hole single, as a shortstop, you're responsible to obviously try to make a play on that ball to keep it in the infield. Once it goes through, you understand the situation. You rotate the third, knowing that your third baseman is going to be the cutoff man. The problem was is that Dansby Swanson just kind of stopped and acted like a cutoff man to third base, and so Eddie Rosario comes up and he makes a throw on the run that seemed to be pretty much right in line with third base, but there's no one there because Dansby Swanson is pretending to be cut off for a play that isn't necessary. And Austin Riley is the cutoff man in the short infield grass area for a throw towards home. So the reality is, is that when they broke it down on MLB Network, they kind of blamed Austin Riley saying, there's no play at home, might as well just stay at third. The truth is, as a shortstop, your responsibility is to rotate and take that bag, knowing that your cutoff yeah, man that's, has that's a different job. Back. That's shorts back all day. All day. So that's on Swanson. But Eddie Rosario throws it away with no one at third, bounces around over by the dugout, and well, Jose Siri manages the score from first. Let's look at the. So I'm I, I'm pulling up a slow mo here. I'm looking at the throw from Rosario. Dansby misses the ball. He doesn't because he, he's in a cutoff role. With where he, which shouldn't have been. He's in a cutoff role. No, no, where no. I'm, I'm saying the ground ball misses the ground ball, and he, he, he makes his way towards the line a little bit with his head down, because if yeah. you look, he looks back. He takes a quick glance at third base, sees a runner rounding towards home. I think mm-hmm. for a split second there, and I don't know if he, I didn't even catch if he talked about this in a post game press or anything. So I don't know what his yeah, thoughts were on it. But it looks though as though he takes a glance back at third to at third, sees a runner rounding, and thinks that Rosario is just gonna come up gunning to home. Mm-hmm. And then I think a split second later, he realizes, oh, Siri is he well, he probably heard the fans too, which probably is what gave it away. And maybe some guys from the dugout shouting at him. But he realizes, oh, he's going to third, and then looks at third, realizes there's nobody there. Yeah. And starts coming into the cut, and then as he's look as he's doing that, looks back, sees the throw, and the throw is already going by him. And at that yeah. point, Siri's sliding into third and gets up and makes his way home. So yeah, the issue with this, and everyone's praising Jose Siri for aggressive uh, heads up base running, right? Totally fine. But the truth is, is that if Dansby Swanson rotates the third after that ball gets through the infield, no one is going first to third on a short single to left if someone's on third. That's why it's on Swanson. Jose Siri, whether it was heads up base running or just super aggressive, going to third in the first place, going to third in the first place was a ballsy move. But if Swanson's there, no one's doing that. No one's doing that. So that's why it's on Dansby, in my mind. I don't I don't see how it could be done either way. But either uh, with that play, it's just that's where you felt this ain't the Braves game. When that one happened, I was like, "Yeah, I'm just, I'm not gonna, not gonna stress this too much." Wheels are falling off. Siri slides in home head first and just absolutely electrifies the crowd with excitement. 
and you just knew it was like, all right, I think we're just going to call this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that play right there kind of, like you said, should have indicated that it just wasn't a Braves night. Like Dansby misses the throw. And then if you look, he like puts his hands up. Like, why is nobody at third? It's like, bro, you should that's be at third you. base. hundred percent you. And, I, and, and that's I get why. It. That's why. Because that man going first to third or potentially could go first to third. Austin Riley's doing his job. Danzy Swanson didn't. And you and I both know this. That's that's we played that position. That's that's routine high school stuff that needs to be done. That was a that was a JV high school play that we watched. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just going back to the beginning. Whoever it was at second do you remember who was at second? It looks like was that Guriel? Mm, so if so if Siri's hitting eighth, Maldonado's hitting ninth. I think, yeah, it has to be Guriel it's in the seventh spot, It looks right? like Guriel. Whoever it is on second base, I, I can't even tell, um, and I can't remember. Pretty sizable lead off second, so they already got the head start to home. But as you watch the play develop, Austin Riley sees, oh, there's a ball going to left. Defaults to, to coming in man. to be in a cutoff position. Sure, as the play progresses, you don't, you don't think that you really have a play at the plate, but right. in terms of where he needs to be, he is where he needs to be. Exactly. And the, the reason for that being is because as a third baseman, your job at that cutoff is, hey, your catcher's saying, hey, cut three or cut two. If Maldonado decides this throw he thinks is going home, he might try to take that extra 90 feet and go to second, right? Or if for the example that happened, Siri wants to try to go first to third, we can go cut three. That's why Austin Riley's there. That's why Swanson needs to be on third. It's a it's a very normal generic play that is again is taught in high school. That it was just I it, to me is on Dansby. He didn't do his job. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Um, and he's a fantastic defender. I'm not throwing him under the bus. He's he's a great defender. Um, but it, it's absolutely not on Austin Riley. It's just a a play that kind of fell apart and a little bit of a brain fart by Swanson. Yeah. I- I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint it on anybody in particular without considering the choices made by others. And Eddie it, Rosario, it, just throw the ball to third or throw it, throw it to your third baseman at cutoff, man. When in doubt, just throw it to your cutoff, man. Yeah, I think all the stars aligned for this to just be a negative outcome for the Braves because, <laughs> like, I again, I'm just I'm just sliding back and forth through this play, and I'm going back to the beginning, and I see Rosario, I see what he's thinking. He's saying. I'm going to make this throw on the run, and if I can mm-hmm. get rid of this... And it really wasn't dump, that bad of a throw. No, he's trying to dump it to Dansby because he sees that Dansby realizes, oh, I need to get to third, and I think Rosario, in that split second, realizes if I can dump this to Dansby, it'll be a foot race to third, and that's exactly what he was trying to do. Yeah. And now, then Dansby's as, just like, for ah, Dansby, For Dansby, when you are in a cutoff role which he seemed to accept being the cutoff man from Swift throw to third. It's, it seemed like he just stopped thinking he's the cutoff man to third. When you're in a cutoff role, if you don't hear anything, you let the ball go. If you don't hear cut, cut, or relay, relay, you let the ball go. So I think Dansby not paying attention was in a cutoff role to third base when it's not necessary, not needed, thinking someone's on third, and he didn't hear anything. That's why he let the ball go. Again, this all falls back on Dansby. Yeah, because if if Dansby does what he's supposed to do there and misses the ball, because like I said, he misses the ball and then kind of has his head. He's kind of just like, no, he wasn't like moping, but he's just like, oh, missed it. If he misses that ball and immediately beelines for third base, Rosario puts the ball on the bag and this this out is made. Yeah, exactly. If he lets this single get through the hole and immediately rotates the third, this play doesn't happen. And it could potentially change the trajectory of the game, but I think so too because I when you see know. those, I think what we've picked up on. I mean, uh, <laughs> the Red Sox are really good about doing this, and I watched it live against the Yankees. There is somewhat of a momentum swing when you can make a defensive out like that on the base paths, where it's a combination yeah. of you know what the offensive team. I, I'm not really stressing on Siri. I like the aggression there. I'm okay with him trying to take that extra 90. I don't think it's a bad play on the offensive side. Defensively, if you can nab that out, huge momentum swing. Makes you feel so much better because it felt like a free out that you didn't necessarily have to earn because he just gave up a hit. You gave up a hit, but if you can find a way to get an out on that, that means a lot. 
So, again, I'm not trashing him, but this is on Dansby. Yeah, and it may sound like we haven't given enough credit to Jose Siri. Dude was just playing with his hair on fire, and rightfully so. He realizes, uh, I just made my debut like last month, uh, yeah. and I got a chance to to do something here. So, I mean, I think that kid's going to be good, by the way. Like, he's, they're, they're saying, Dusty said he's got like the most talent out of anyone in that clubhouse athletically. I think he's like 26, though. Did I hear that correctly? Is he a 26-year-old rookie? I don't remember. Right. I didn't hear his age. Yeah, I don't. I didn't catch up. I think he's like 26. I may be way off on that. But, um, yeah, he's just like a – and I don't mean this in a negative way, but he's like a, a spazzy, twitchy player. Oh, like he's yeah. Ju- he just – everything he does is like oh, quick yeah. and fast. And and it could be bad or it could be could be good. I think yeah. once he starts to learn a little bit of discipline at the plate, we saw him kind of free swinging at some stuff throughout this postseason for his opportunities of getting starts. Um, but he looks like he has pop, and he looks like when he connects, it'll go. You just got to have a little discipline and focus a little more on bat-to-ball skills and his speed will play. Yeah, like once he figures out what his limits and boundaries are and learns to play within those and not push them too much. Yeah, he's going to be fine. He's going to be in fantastic shape. Um <clears throat> but later in this game two, we had that whole fiasco in, in the bottom of the second. Uh, I think they scored, what did they score? Like, was it three or four? I thought it was, it was four. Yeah, it was 1-1 in the top of the second after Darno hits the solo shots. Uh, they score, looks like four. Yeah. And then, yeah, Brantley adds a RBI single. Uh, Freddie Freeman, RBI single in the top of the fifth, cuts the lead to 5-2. Uh Max Freed, Jose Urquidy both go five. Freed gives up five earned runs, has six Ks. Urquidy, two earned runs, seven Ks. Uh, Another example of of Snicker just kind of taking the L. And yeah, that was very props, smart. Props to Max Freed for eating that. Obviously, he didn't have his stuff, and he just he ate it for the bullpen, knowing, you know, we'll just get him later. I got to eat this one. I got to take this one on the chin. The rest of the series is up to us, but I got to take this one on the chin and save the bullpen a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, all things considered, sure, you can sit there and say, well, it's a World Series game. It, it plays a little differently. But all things considered, five five earned runs isn't the worst outing. It's not like, I th- terrible. I think yeah. people get, get in this mindset where it's like, oh, after after a guy gives up three, get him out of there. And that I think that line of thinking has contributed to this whole, well, we got to get to the pen sooner. We got to get to the pen sooner. Yeah. But if a guy gives you... It, of course, a regular season game. If a guy gives you like six or seven and he, he he's able to limit it to five, of course, not ideal, but we got to stop acting like five or five and runs is the end of the world. And, and in this situation, seen, when you know it's a, a loss, comeback wins. we've yeah. seen quite a few comeback wins from the, from the Braves. So I think that's what Snickers thinking. It's like, you know what? Hey, I'm not going to let Max come out of this with, you know, the worst kind of feeling, but at the same time, I'm not going to tax my bullpen. So I'm going to leave him in, try to eat up some innings. He's willing to take that punch for us and just hope that our, our offense will, you know, try to chip in a little bit. And they unfortunately never did. But, like, honestly, I was watching that game. Urquidy, Urquidy had a lot of barrels. He gave up a lot of barrels. Eddie Rosario, I think, had two balls that were absolutely smoked to Gurriel at first. Yep. Um, there were balls hit hard. So I wouldn't be stressing too much if I was the Braves. That's just... Like I said, it's just it, it's not their night, but I wouldn't be stressed. That's that loss doesn't feel that bad. A seven to two loss, you look at it on paper, feels a lot worse than what it should feel like watching that game. Yeah, I mean Snicker even came out after the game and said he said it wasn't like Freed was getting banged around. Balls found balls have found holes, check swings, we threw right. the ball away. It was just a weird inning. Right. Check That's swings, those swinging bunts, those just weird stuff. I wouldn't stress it. The Braves are fine. It's baseball. Yeah. You kind of just get dealt a bad blow there. It's not necessarily a result of anything you're doing. Sure, can't be throwing the ball away. Can't be. You got to be where you got to be positionally, defensively. And I think just to kind of support and back up what, what we've said, we're not old heads, but the recognition of the managers, and I'll say managers, both managers, the fact that they're older, and they've managed for a while and they've been around this game for a while. I think they recognize those games better than the young guys, better than those younger managers, the new school managers. And I think that's why we say we 
lean a little more old school is because I don't who knows what that conversation is like in the clubhouse. We don't know what that is. The media won't know. But I think Snicker can walk into that clubhouse and say, yo, we're good. It's fine. That's just one of those weird, wacky games. You know, balls snuck through. They found holes and we lost. We threw a couple well, balls away. That's fine. I think new school manager, I don't know if he reacts the same way. I don't know if he says the same thing to his players. But old school managers make players feel a lot better about a 7-2 loss. Because in reality, play that game clean. You lose 4-2, 5-2. You don't feel that bad. And to your point about old school, new school, Dusty Baker came out after the game one loss. And he was quoted as... Kind of basically just shrugging it off and saying balls are going to bounce our way tomorrow night, and that's exactly what they did. And yep. I think I I think you can credit that to the fact that he's been around the game long enough and has yep. experienced enough of these games to know. Yeah, it's just this is just baseball, man. This isn't anything necessarily we're doing. Sure, we're putting the ball in play. Yeah, it's not necessarily anything bad that the Braves are doing. This is you just play this game long enough, and these things are bound to happen. It's just how yeah. it works. Speaking of one thing that was. A little annoying. How did you feel about that that potential double play with Albies at second? The the <laughs> non transfer call. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Well, he had he had a little bit of a rough go of it. I, I think it was mostly in game two. I can't remember if game one he was kicking it around, but he he just didn't seem terribly comfortable. Uh, he had some he had some moments where he he made some plays, but there was a couple instances where I was like, eh, this isn't the Ozzy Albies. I think Braves fans know and love at least from a defensive standpoint. Uh, but that transfer play, <laughs> look, I I was yelling at the TV when it happened. So much so that Meredith was in the kitchen making something, <laughs> and she like turned around and she was like, what just happened? And not having her obviously not having any context as, as to what was going on, I was like, that was on the transfer. And she's oh, like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, just watch the video. So we watched the replay, and look, there's people saying – I think the umpire got this right. Like former players, I saw there was like a, yeah. a guy or two coming out. They actually, said, they got it right. Back I was on like, MLB Network. Uh, yeah, here's here's why it felt like a trans. And I was actually doing the same thing. So what we did, uh, we were eating dinner and we were watching our show on Hulu on TV. And then I had my iPad on the coffee table, and so we're watching. And I'm like, my eyes are going back and forth. Me and you the are the same the person. Game. That's yeah. that's me every night. We're, we're watching and it's on mute, so like we're listening to our show, not the game. And I'm watching. I'm like, that's transferred. And she's like, what? looking around. She's like, what did you see? And I was like, no, 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 babe. Not the show. <laughs> Not the show. Um, but here's here's why it's a transfer is because middle infielders don't completely catch the ball. It is a off the palm into the bare hand, all one motion kind of thing. Um, rarely are you going to see a, a, a specific designated, I caught this in the back of my web, like a first baseman would kind of thing. This is a... Again, it's it's off our palm and into our bare hand. And I think anything that hits our palm and is somewhat closed and is in there for more than a bounce off, that's an out. That was an out. I don't know if he would have turned it. Can't say. Obviously, he didn't because he dropped the ball. But that's an out. It's on the transfer. Let's run those. I was trying to pull up. The thing now, I don't know if that affects the game too much. But what was the score at that point? It was still 5-2 at that point, right? Uh, I believe a run score. Yeah, run scored on that play, which made it so six it made, to two. It made it six two. Yeah, yeah, made it six two. Um, I think the game is the game. I'm not blaming the Braves' loss on that, but it, it can do something for you. You turn that double play. There's one out. You turn that double play. Run doesn't count. Still five two. Look at you. First, I I search on Twitter. Ozzy transfer. The first tweet that I see. Shout out uh, Corey Knapp says. Braves have not been sharp tonight, and it has the replay video. It says, Braves have not been sharp tonight, but this should be an out on the transfer by Ozzy. Middle infielders rarely fully close their gloves on these plays, an example of when the letter of the law could catch up to how the game is actually played. So I'm looking at the replay. So the thing that gets me, the reason I thought it was a transfer, and I agree with everything you said because we're all we're all taught the same way. We, For the most part, we would have the same transfer motion this and that. The people on the field that have the smallest gloves are second baseman and shortstops. Right. And I'm looking at the replay. Because we don't catch. Right. Yeah. And you need that quick transfer access. Exactly. Because if I'm you not gotta, trying to fumble around in my web to try to yeah, get the ball. Yeah. If you've got a basket for a glove, you're not, get, you're not making that transfer. 
But the thing that gets me, the reason I thought it was a transfer, and I think the reason a lot of other people thought it was a transfer, is you make that motion where you break the plane, you catch the ball here, and then you start you separating. Kinda, yeah, you separate, you take your glove, and you start pushing it, you start aiming it towards where you're going to throw the ball. Yeah. And he had that separation, and then that's when he loses the ball. Yeah. How else are you going to define a transfer? Yeah. Looks, like, what other looked, opportunity is there? Like a complete transfer to me. Again, I'm not going to say the Braves come back and win this ball game, but you turn that double play, well, I guess it doesn't matter. He dropped the ball. Fine. Call it a transfer. Runners out at second. Man on first with two outs. You're down 6-2. Whatever. I think they still lose. It's just one of those plays that... One of those plays, one of those games. We're going to scrutinize umpires at some point during a game. This was the one point that they missed. They messed up. Hold on. Scooter, Scooter Jeanette commented on our post about the PETA thing, which we'll get into. Oh, boy, Scooter. He replied to us on Twitter, says, Arm Barn sounds so much cooler. We'll get to that for those of you who have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. Um, but, yeah, I like like you said, I don't think it was a difference maker. It's just I think the former player inside me wants to see that call correct. Being yeah. a former middle infielder myself, I was, yeah. I was a little amped by that call because I thought it was so clear and then I just, I kind of, once I showed the replay, I was like, all right, I'm going to go up and go to the bathroom. And then as I'm walking away, I hear Joe Buck say, and they keep the call. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? The other <laughs> thing that got me too cut. was the umpire. I don't know if you saw it, but when the, when the play was happening, I think, I, I want to say he made the, the safe call or he made the out call and then just stood there and was like waiting for. I don't know, waiting for some direction from the crowd. I don't know. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. nope, he's uh, yeah, he's safe. I don't I don't care. Clean it up a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, Astros takes game two, a score of seven to two. Series is tied 1-1 going into game three, which will be Friday at 8.09 Eastern time. Just once. I would love a 7 p.m. Eastern playoff game. Just just once. <laughs> at this stage of game. Back, I know, in, like, the, back in the dirty south. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I want it. I know the earlier stages of the postseason, they do earlier games. But once we get to like the LCS and World Series, just I don't need like an afternoon seven. game. No. Yeah, I don't need an afternoon game. Just give me a seven o'clock. People on the West Coast aren't aren't working anyway. If they're truly invested in these games, they're not. They're not invested. Just give me, just give me a seven it's, o'clock game. It's true. I can attest to that. What are we doing? Five o'clock is too late for me. Cut in the middle of my day. Even a six thirty, six thirty Eastern, I'd be down. Oh, 3.30 Pacific. Well, uh, speaking of times, I, I misspoke. The game is actually at 8.09 p.m., which, again, have never understood the purpose of these Nine random minute. minutes added. Yeah. I'll never understand it. Like, 7.05, I could kind of come around on. It's like, okay, right. at least it's like a, a round time. In terms of times, like 7.05 is like, okay. But like 7.09 or like 8.09, what are we doing? Yeah, I agree. Not a fan. Not a fan. But, yeah, look, the Braves did what they had to do. They go into Houston and uh, split. You would have much rather liked going in there and taking two, of course. How do you feel about them taking game one and not game two? Um, Or does that matter to you? I don't know how much it matters. By the way, we watched Dansby kick a ball, too. I just watched the, the replay. Just completely whiff on a routine double play ball. Um, off of, I think it was, I don't know. Um, That was in the fifth. As far as order, I think it, I think it would feel a little better if the away team takes the second game before heading home, because yep. now you're saying we took that dub and we're going home. Versus yeah, like you, you win the you win the first one, you lose the second one. You say, well, at least we're going home now. Two different narratives, two different conversations. Yeah, I feel like in a in a normal situation, you kind of. You you don't want to throw in the towel on the on game one as the as the away team, but you kind of defer. It's like okay, the home crowd's rocking. You're yeah. gonna come out swinging. Okay, take game one. We'll take game two with the momentum heading back home for game three. Yeah. With this particular Braves team, though, just watching watching I don't think the it last matters. couple nights, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm which not is either. why I was curious what your thoughts were because I, I I'm just not worried about the way they're gonna respond after yeah. game two loss. Yeah, I'm not worried about that either. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, the the Astros officially broke their record of home losses in World Series games. Yes. Going back to 2019, like we talked about, no home team won 
So, which is wild. So I think it goes back to 17 against the Dodgers. It was that it was that marathon game, right? It went like what did that go like 15, 16 innings? You know what I'm I, talking about? Uh, they won in next seventeen. There was, was one where Correa was coming out of the dugout, like wheeling the guy home. You remember that? Yeah, I think it was like game five. Game right? five. I, I, I th- I th- yeah, I think it was game five. Um, yeah, but I think it was what seven straight losses at home in World Series games. Tough. So they broke that streak. Maybe it was um, the yeah. fact that they had the roof open, which they haven't done for. A, I think I said a postseason game, or no? Was it a World Series game? In Houston since 2005. About that, I was gonna ask you about that. What? Why did Manfred just come in and say that? Why did he make that call? I mean, I don't know, but look, tip of the cap to Minute Maid, man. That's a beautiful park with the roof. Really is, yeah, really is. I mean, say what you want about the team and the players, but no, that's a beautiful ballpark. The park didn't do anything. No, the park's immune to all this. That's a that's a beautiful park. Yeah, and Um, I noticed what's weird is I I didn't know watching the game last night. I, I mean, I probably saw cuts uh, around the park where they showed the like you could see the sky. I clearly was just oblivious and didn't even notice it. So I I watched that whole game not even realizing the the roof was open. Oh really? And I found that out today. And because I think I just go into those games assuming they're always closed because you almost never see them open. Well, and I and I noticed. Well, I was just gonna say I noticed last night. I was like, it just doesn't sound as loud. Like they're winning, but yeah. it just doesn't sound as loud. And they and I was reading it today, and they said, yeah, just based on how science works, like it you, it wasn't gonna be as loud because it was open. That was Manfred's call. Did you yeah. did you not know that? Yeah, it was. I don't understand weird. why he just shows up and he's like, hey, I'm here now. We're gonna open the roof. Odd there. Um, but I saw that yesterday before the game him saying that and all the comments were like uh we're in houston and it's pouring raining and we have like tornado warnings why are we opening the roof but uh, i don't know apparently the weather cleared up and it was fine um but you remember brett obviously for those og listeners my buddy brett wallace who played with the astros a little bit um he was saying that their ac in houston all the all the vents blow the same way and it's out so he said, when it's when the roof is closed and the AC is going, balls jump because of the ACs. Like you'd be surprised how much it helps. But all the AC vents are blowing out towards the outfield. Speaking of the ball jumping, shout out Anthony. He, uh, I think it was, I think he was the one that said that it, he thinks. He, I'm assuming he was joking, but he said that he thinks Altuve's bats are corked. I'm not sitting here saying they're corked, but have you ever noticed the way the ball jumps off Altuve's bat, especially when he drops one into the Crawford boxes? It's it's a little weird, right? And he Harold Reynolds asked him after the game what size bat he swings. Yeah, I, I caught that. Yep. It's only a 33-31. Well, I mean, the guy is literally what, like five? What I'm is not it, five, saying s- seven. If that, I'm not saying. What is Altuve? I'm not saying he needs to be swinging a bigger bat, but a 31 ounce bat typically He's five, doesn't. Six. Typically doesn't have that kind of jump. Yeah, and it there are swings where he just like pokes it out there, and it jumps off the bat like Jordan Alvarez is swinging it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. Which by the way, we didn't even mention Jordan. Still, even when he's not feeling it and he's not as hot as he was in the Boston series, still finds a way to just poke a triple off the wall. Like, okay, (laughs) dude, like just give somebody else the spotlight to let somebody else smoke one. So insane. Goodness. But yeah, no, the only reason I said that about Altuve, I'm not speculating. I just, it's assuming that everything there is pure and not, not illegal. It is pretty cool to watch. Like I, I do like watching the ball freaking jump off his bat because it looks like he's hitting with a trampoline and it's, it's pretty cool to watch. See, I can say something nice about the Astros. Mm, I'm good. And look, I even said to you today, I said, I, Watching hit because they brought him up on the on the set after the game last night from MLB Network and they were interviewing him and stuff and he was just making little jokes and being being awfully polite. I will say I feel like he's he's kind of changed his demeanor of, a little bit. Of the guys that were caught, Correa is more villain than anyone else. Sure. I'd say Correa and Bregman have the biggest attitude about it. Altuve's been pretty no, down to earth for the I most would, part. You're saying Bregman? Bregman just always has some cocky attitude. Yeah, but you and you I have a punchable both, face. Sure, but you and I have both said that he is—he's understood. He—he he gets it, and for I the think last, he gets it. The last sure. two years, he's kept his head down and hasn't said anything. I shouldn't have even said Bregman. It's Correa. Correa is it's the Correa. true face of you know the villain face of this 
whole thing. Altuve is kind of that quiet guy, that fun, happy-going guy. But yeah, I texted you and I said, I feel like if Altuve hadn't got caught up in all this and wasn't on the Astros and wasn't a part of that, I feel like I'd really like Altuve. Yeah. I'd be curious. I, I, I should go back and listen to old episodes and see what my what my thoughts were on Altuve before I don't know. we found I, out. I'm salty just because he stole the MVP away from Judge that year that they cheated. Mm, I'm not gonna not gonna open up that can of worms. <sighs> That's what the FL two of a chance are. It's because of that. Well, I was just requested by my wife to take something out of the fridge, so we should probably wrap this up. But before we <laughs> do, last thing I wanted to bring up, it was just the news was just broken to us before we hopped on air. Peta has asked Major League Baseball to rename the bullpen to the arm barn because bullpen is offensive to animals and quote mocks the misery of animals nate thoughts i'm gonna try to navigate this without going well, but, too too far down political before paths. you just absolutely lose it let me just acknowledge and i think everybody including PETA, understands what's going on here they recognize oh let's just drop some controversial take during the middle of the world series that we know isn't gonna happen well it might with manford who knows we know most likely isn't going to happen, but we're going to get our clicks. We're going to get our engagement. We're going to get the eyeballs on on what we do by dropping this in the middle of the World Series. They they know what they were doing. Anyway, continue. I'd like to know what bull is offended by this. <laughs> Look, I'm a firm believer in that animals have feelings. Like they, the animals get upset. Animals get concerned about their their. Totally like if fine. If it's a dog, they have they get concerned about their owners. Where's my totally owner? Fine. I'm scared. But they're not sitting there going. I'd like this name to be changed. Look, Bro, did you see what they were t- saying about us on Twitter? Yeah. Like, they're bulls, not doing this. Bulls are still going to be stressed out when they're in that environment that they're referring to, that PETA is saying this is what it's offensive. They're still getting killed, they're still getting slaughtered, and they're still stressed in those scenarios. No matter what it's called in a sport that has nothing to do with us slaughtering animals. It's ridiculous. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. It's Ugh, it's so ridiculous. It's so soft. We're hurt by words so freaking often. I'm so over this. I want the DL back, personally. I think the IL is stupid. This is even worse. This is even dumber. Way worse. What do we think about the arm barn, though? I think that sucks, too. Really? I thought the arm barn was... It's somewhat catchy. Somebody said, somebody said arm farm. I was like, at least it rhymes. That's weird. Speaking of which, I, I put up that post before we started the episode, and it's been like a solid. Uh, it's been like a couple hours already. So let's uh, let's see what the comments are saying, shall we? The arm this barm a, phone. This arm <laughs> barn phone. Yeah. Somebody hop on, hop on the phone. Hop, Call the arm hop barn. On, somebody hop on the arm farm phone. Uh, this is like one of my favorite things to do when we put out a controversial post like this and just read the comments. Some some of you all need to get into comedy because it, the con the content is just phenomenal. Uh, call to the arm barn presented by McDonald's. Love that. <laughs> like I said, somebody said it's PETA trying to gain trying to gain traction by requesting this during the biggest games of the year. If they cared, they would have done this in in passing a long time ago. I agree. Uh, Eric says PETA kills dogs and PETA kills dogs and like thousands of them every year. But they want baseball to be nice to animals. I'm seeing a yeah. I'm seeing a bunch of Peta's hypocrite. I look. Yeah. I agree. Peta's the worst. Uh, what do we got here, bro? Facebook. I don't even want to read the Facebook comments. You, Facebook is not the place you want to go if you want to get insightful. Oof. Yeah. Calm comments in response to something controversial. Somebody said, "Please tell me if this is satire." Peta needs to stay in their lane. Ain't no bulls in these pens. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well name it the Hurler Hut. I love this. Abolish PETA. Look, what is, before we wrap it up, what is, do we have an idea for a name? Should uh, Manfred decide that he wants to cave to this request and change the name? Mm. I think Kevin Cash was on to something with the whole stable thing last year. I I could, I could ride I with something stable. With, the, with the stable. I don't know how horses feel about it, but yeah, I, could, uh, I could go sorry. with stable. I need to write a written apology to horses once we hop off here. Because hmm. the dugout, just name that because it's like underground, kind of. Yeah, and look, if we really want to get into the whole analysis of the word bullpen and how it's offensive, why don't we look at the 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 areas of office spaces that they call bullpens? You want to talk about killing things. True. 
you're slowly killing people <laughs> by putting them in their little cubicles. All these people walking it's around, true. just wearing people out all day. That's that's what's doing the killing. Yeah, sales, law firms. Like I, I'm not trying to be around that things. many people all day. That's what's killing people. It's a great point. Man, people are not being not being nice to PETA in the comments. The arm barn. Risky move by PETA. Granted, they're already hated by so many people, so somebody said they got nothing to lose. Somebody said shove it, PETA. Pretty sure bulls are honored that baseball recognizes them anyway. Love that. Yeah, I like I think the stable is a good place to start. Kevin Cash was on something. That's all I got. Do you know, know where you, Bullpen even came from? Are you asking me because you know or are you genuinely I don't. curious? I, I don't know. Let's uh let's do a little research here. Why is it called Does it have anything to do with Durham Bulls? Somebody I saw a comment about that. I don't know if it's true. All right, late. Ooh, this is interesting. Is this factual? Is Wikipedia factual? Do we know? Um, how? I, I don't think you're allowed to use it in school. Percentage rating. How? How? How much would you say you trust Wikipedia? Sixty percent. Sixty percent. That's fair. All right. Well, sixty percent of you should believe that this is true if you read it. it says latecomers to ball games in the late 19th century were were cornered off in the standing room areas in foul territory because the fans were herded like cattle. This area became known as the bullpen, a designation which was later transferred over to the relief pitchers who warmed up there. Interesting. doesn't say where, though, that that was coined, what stadium specifically or what team. Uh, Well, it was late 19th century, so it probably wasn't a, mm. a stadium. Somewhere on the battlefields of the Civil War. Yeah, not seeing it. Oh, well. Craziness, man. Just craziness. That's all I got. Actually, last thing. Uh, I'm really gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need the Braves to win this World Series because uh, we got some merch ready to drop, and I'm. I'm pumped about it. And I would hate to see all this merch go to waste. So let's go ahead and do the thing, Braves. Would love to see the Braves just clean sweep at home and finish this thing out. I said Braves in five, so I'm gonna need Side that note, to happen. One thing we've never talked about um, and never really mentioned. I think. It's pretty cool that Braves fans are getting to witness World Series because they were stripped of the All-Star game. I think that was a pretty unique opportunity that they missed out on. And I think baseball gods maybe had a little assistance in getting them into the uh, maybe. World Series. Oh, I'm gonna need I'm gonna I, I said this last episode or before uh, yeah, the last episode before we previewed the World Series and I said, I'm gonna need them to do this in five because I need them we to need it at home. I need Manfred on the stage at the end of game five. Getting just rained on in booze. I would love that. Need that. That's it, peeps. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, Stay safe for Halloween. And uh, try not to eat too many pieces of candy. What is your going, uh, what's your go-to piece of candy this weekend? What do you got? Halloween candy. I'm a big time... Is it lame to say I'm a Baby Ruth guy? Not necessarily for Halloween. That was just the first mm-hmm. candy can of mine. I, I think Baby Ruth is significantly underrated. Payday also underrated in my opinion. True. True. Three Musketeers overrated. Yeah. No crunch. Yeah, but it's kind of nice. Milky Way too. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. Both of those overrated. I'm a big I'm a big Milk Duds guy. I know that may be lame, but I don't I don't, I don't mind Milk Duds. What I will say that all all Whoppers need to go away. Well, that that's just not, not be a thing. true. No. Well, Whoppers are no. terrible. Well, terrible. You're wrong. Was it malt? Chocolate malt? It's just like a Yep. It's just like a round ball of sand with chocolate around it. Speaking of which, I I thought I was hanging out with you last night. I was sitting there t- weird Meredith and I were talking about candy and we got on the topic of dots. And I was like, man, I love dots. And she just scolded me like it was <laughs> like it was you talking to me or something. She goes, you've got, you've got candy, and sure, it's just sugar, but it's the most bland candy there is. I said, whoa, let's not go stomping all over the dots name, my friend. I'll, I don't mind dots, but I I do agree with her when it's when it comes to candy. I think I need I need the sour stuff. Um, I know I'm in the minority here, but I think Twizzlers and Red Vines are absolute trash. Yeah, yeah, I could get on board with uh, just you there. go chew on a tire. Honestly, uh, that's I mean, what I'll it's eat, like. I'll eat Twizzlers. I don't. I can't even say I've had a red vine because isn't it different? They're Is both suck. They both suck. 
I can tolerate a Twizzler. I'm not going to go out of my way. Although I will say those little cherry versions, like the the uh, what are they called? They're not like the long ones. They're like the little bite sized cherry ones. Those are solid. Those are solid. Where they have like a filler in the middle, or are they still? Oh hollow? no no no! You know what it is? What I'm thinking of? It's the pull apart one. It's the, the pull, ropes. It, yeah, it's like the cherry ropes. Those That's are sweet solid. tart. That's sweet tart. No no, ropes. no 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 no! They make them for for look them up. They got cherry Twizzlers where you pull them apart. Those are solid. Twizzlers got to go. Whoppers got to go. Well, that's wrong. Red Vines got to go. Uh, I I will definitely be grabbing those Reese's Cups. Throwing them, throwing them in the freezer. Getting them nice and cold. Delicious. That's going to be my thing. This is wild. I can't think of like my go-to candy. I pre- Peanut probably, M&M's also in the freezer. Probably Reese's. Reese's. Sorry. Reese's. 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 Reese's Reese's or Reese's Pieces. Yes, Reese's. That's, <laughs> oh, those that's where Reese's can come into play. When you're that. just having a Reese's peanut butter cup, it's, no, Reese's. it's Reese's. It's Reese's and then there's Reese's Pieces. <laughs> those Ridiculous. are those that might actually be my go-to cuz I I feel like I only have those around Halloween. That might be Reese's my Pieces? Reese's Pieces. I'm not a huge fan of the Pieces. Just give me give me M&Ms. No, I'm gonna need the Reese's dwindled down to pieces. Nah, you get one of those mixed bag of M and M's where you got the peanut, peanut butter, and regular. That's that's chaos. I don't. Wow. Need I don't need that. Those are it right there. Throw them in the freezer. That's it. That's all I got. Don't go chasing curveballs and don't go chasing whoppers. We love y'all, and as always, looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until next time, stay filthy.